Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airways. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from 3CR Studios in Melbourne on 855am, and we're streamed live via the 3CR website. All podcasts are available at 3cr.org.au, at freedomofspecies.org or via your favourite podcasting app. And thanks to Sally for a great show of Out of the Pan. Tune in next week at 12 for more of Sally covering all things pansexual. And there's a little bit of a new tech thing happening here at, um, at 3CR. You can SMS in to us um, on 04 and we will see your texts up on the screen and we'll be able to address any of those if you feel like doing that. And that number is 04 triple eight zero nine eight five five so feel free to message in and um, join in the conversation today so it's that time of year again in australia when people of all types come out for the horse racing carnivals and gamble on the lives of horses all over the country at dozens of venues horses are being used as a tool for gambling and entertainment And we're only two weeks away from the Melbourne Cup, an event where horses three years and older are forced to race for 3,200 metres, an exhausting long-distance race. Um, This can be extremely physically exhausting and all too often leads to the death of these horses. For years, the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses has been working for racehorses across Australia and working to protect them. Today we'll be joined by a local campaigner from the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses called Elio, and we will discuss the inherent issues with horse racing and what can be done about it. Um, But before we do that, we're going to go to a quick song and get Elio on the line. So this song is uh, by Abolition, and it's called... Nick. Uh, the song is Wilhelm's Horse, and yeah, they're a local band from Melbourne. All their songs are related to animal liberation. So yeah, if you like this track, check them out at abolition.bandcamp.com. So it's abolition, but with a, a C rather than a T. Um, and yeah, this is Wilhelm's Horse. Listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR, and we just heard from the band Abolition with the song Wilhelm's Horse. And yeah, great track, very on topic for the, what we're talking about today. And we should now have on the line Elio. How are you going, Elio? Are you there? 
Yeah, good, thanks. Fantastic. And um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? We've already introduced that we're going to be speaking about um, horse racing and horse racing industry in Australia today. Elie, do you want to tell us a bit about what you do and um, how you are trying to protect horses in Australia? Yeah, sure. Um, Look, I uh, became involved with um, the whole horse racing issue about 12 years ago when we were asked to go out to see, uh, to investigate some horses that were left in the paddock that looked very malnourished. And um, so we went out there that night to, to find out what was going on there. And we found out that um, these were, there was about 100-odd horses there. And um, uh, some of them were in pens, some of them were in paddocks. And um, a lot of these horses were actually race horses. And then we realised we were actually in a, at a knackery um, and these horses were all going to be slaughtered. And I guess that changed everything for me that night that um, it started a two-year investigation and uh, led me to forming the group, the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses, and, and now I'm campaigning for, you know, the changes for, for these horses that, um, you know, basically are, are exploited and disposed of. Um, you know, routinely, and um, we feel that this is totally unacceptable, and um, we're now making the racing industry accountable. And you, do, you certainly are doing that. I think um, the the coalition for the protection of racehorses has certainly been a vocal voice over the last um, several years, and gained a fair amount of of um, coverage with Nut to the Cup and the Horse Racing Kills campaign. Would you like to tell us a little bit about some of the um, things that you've done in the past um, to try and protect horses? Yeah, well, we've four main campaigns are uh, jumps racing, uh, the use of whips, um, two-year-old racing. Um, you know, horses aren't fully developed until they're five years of age, and yet uh, they're racing them as two-year-olds. It's absolutely barbaric. But our main campaign is the waste wastage issue, which, um, you know, sees the majority of these horses end up being slaughtered, even though the racing industry claims that uh, less than 1% are sent to slaughter. Every single time that um, we've visited a sale yard, we've seen most of the racehorses there being bought by kill buyers. And every time we've gone to a knackery or slaughterhouse and seen the horses that are there, the majority are racehorses. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important that um, we get that message out there because what people are inadvertently doing is supporting cruelty uh, to these horses and leading to the premature death um, of, the, uh, of the majority of these horses, even the ones that, um, you know, have won lots of money for their owners. Hi, Elia. This is Nick. And, yeah, I just had a question about the the killing of horses. So it's, it's a, this is a topic I've debated with actually a jockey live on air on radio a few years ago. And one thing they brought up was that they basically like to give examples of specific horses who have retired, who haven't been killed. Um, but, yeah, obviously it is something that goes on. I believe from some research there's about 33 licensed knackeries in Australia that produce horse meat for pet food sold locally. So, yeah, I guess they can point to their, you know, in individual horses who may not have uh, seen that fate. But as you say, this is very common practice, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. And every time you speak to someone within the racing industry, they all have a, you know, their stories about the horses that they've rescued and the ones that are out there in the back paddock having a great time. But they won't tell you about the many thousands that are sent to slaughter every year. The racing industry breeds at currently uh, probably around 15,000, although official figures are about 13,500. Um, and uh, yet despite these large numbers of horses being bred every year, the, the racing population doesn't actually increase. 
Um, so that means the same number of horses are also exiting the racing industry. And they'll tell you that a lot of them go into breeding, but even the numbers of horses involved in the breeding cycle are in decline. So for the ones that go into it, the same number come out. And they simply don't account for these horses at all. And so for them, it's just a PR exercise to try and uh, convince people that this doesn't happen. But the reality is that um, it, it is happening and uh, will continue to happen until they're made accountable. And at the moment, we've sort of we're we're in the height of horse racing sort of fever, I suppose you could say, here in um, Australia and particularly in Melbourne with, with the carnivals on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the Melbourne Cup and and what this is uh, for people who might not know, and why it is bad for horses? Yeah, well, I guess the Melbourne Cup is the um, is like the grand final for horse racing um, in Australia. It's the day that. Um, Everybody supposedly celebrates, um, you know, this this one this one race that uh, is supposed to demonstrate, you know, I guess the power of the racing industry. The race that um, stops the nation, they say. Yeah, that's correct, and we're trying to turn that on its head. Um, about eight years ago, we conducted our first Nuts of the Cup event, and that's held in a park just up the road from the main entrance of Flemington. And if there are any of your listeners are interested in coming along, you're more than welcome to join us. Um, and we went from uh, the first event that we had, there was only about 30-odd people, and now the event has over a couple of hundred people. We've also got events in other states. We have um, in, in Queensland, in New South Wales, in South Australia. We're asking people to make um, Melbourne Cup Day, Melbourne Nup Day, where instead of celebrating cruelty to animals, that you celebrate animals and use it as a, as a time to get together with your friends and you can even put on your, your fascinator and your fancy dress and get together and have a great time and, and use it as an opportunity to raise awareness about animal cruelty and then maybe even raise some money for an animal charity and, um, and that way we can all have a great day and, and not have animals suffer as a result. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, maybe it's particularly sad that actually it seems like the Melbourne Cup, the horse racing is kind of almost sent, no, is secondary to it. It's more about dressing up and getting together and those kind of things. And we could easily do away with the horse racing aspect of it. But we, we mentioned there the, the like grand final for horse racing. And I wanted to touch on something which is a pretty ridiculous argument, but it seems to be the best the industry has. So maybe you should address it that they often make the case that, yeah, the horses get injured, those kind of things. But also, you know, Dusty Martin or whoever your favourite AFL player is, like they're putting the risk as well. They can get injured instead of making the case that the the horses are somewhat like athletes and that they, you're just like any other athlete, they face risks. Yeah, well, it's a big obvious. Uh, there's obviously a huge difference between um, Dusty Martin running onto the uh, the MCG and a and a racehorse uh, being put into a horse race, and that is that Dusty Martin, first of all, is very well paid. Um, and secondly, it's his choice to do so. The racehorse has absolutely no choice whatsoever. In fact, if they refuse to race, um, as, as many of them do, it's not like every race, every horse that's bred for racing wants to race. Many of them don't have the temperament for racing, uh, even though they might have the ability. If they can't get them into the barriers, then the horse is, you know, it doesn't matter if he's the fastest horse in the world, he's not allowed to race. Um, so, so many of them, if, if they can't race, they're, they're, they're discarded with all the, the, the rest of them. Uh, there's a horse um, just in the last 12 months who's made the headlines. His name's Chautauqua, and he won a great million dollars for his owner and then decided that he's not going to jump out of the barriers anymore. And he did this, you know, even though they say that if they didn't want to race, they wouldn't race, 
he, eight times in a row, he refused to jump out of the barriers, and it took that many times for them to finally uh, retire him. Now, I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. The horse has shown he doesn't want to come out, doesn't want to race. Uh, why, why didn't they retire him after the second or third uh, time? And, and the thing is that even if they do jump out, they do it because they're trained to do that. It's, it's called learned helplessness, where they, they're trained to do something and they know if they don't do it, the consequence is much worse than if they do do it. Um, so, you know, there's many dubious um, tricks that they use, methods to, to get horses to race. And, um, you know, we, we hear about them because we've heard many people contact us from within the racing industry appalled about what goes on. Um, they're very difficult to prove unless people are prepared to stand up. And it's a very, I guess, closed industry that, um, uh, you know, anyone that speaks out, um, is often ostracised, and, and it's a problem we've got in getting the word out there. But we're working on it. And you've you mentioned um, you mentioned something then that sort of highlights the other side of the industry that we don't often um, see, or it's it's behind closed doors, and that's the training that goes into um, forcing these horses to jump out of the 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 box and and actually race. Um, despite maybe not wanting to. We, we see the whipping and things on the tracks. We see horse jumps um, and we see the, the damage that happens there. We see horses who race around these tracks and break a leg and, and, might, uh, and then are, are, are killed or who have heart attacks from exha- exhaustion. But we don't see the other stuff that gets them to that point. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about that and how the industry um, sort of quote, trains these horses to do mm. um, this stuff? Yeah. Look, um, when they first get a horse, and the horse might only be um, just over a year old and, and they slowly, you know, they use the term breaking in the horse. Um, it's really, you know, it, it's a euphemism really for breaking the horse's spirit so the horse will comply to the demands of the owner. We've heard stories where if a horse doesn't comply, if they show any kind of resistance, they'll do things like tie their legs together for periods of time just to disable the horse. So then when they release the horse, the horse associates um, being liberated with the person who is doing, you know, he's untying them so they'll comply to that person's demands. Mm. Um, and they obviously use uh, whips as well. The whips they use... Um, in racing are a lot smaller than the stock whips that we've heard they, they use in training. Um, you know, they, they use um, uh, walkers um, and um, uh, they, they sometimes put them on, uh, turn them behind a, a, a ute, which is illegal, although it still happens, um, often on, on country racetracks, um, to force horses to run. Um, but the, probably the worst of it all is is, is probably what doesn't seem that bad, and that is that they keep these horses confined in in what they call a box, which is basically a, a small barn or a stall that's about three metres by three metres, and these horses are kept in there up to 23 hours a day, mm. and they're taken out for a run for an hour, and obviously imagine being in a jail cell for 23 hours, and then you, you're allowed to... Um, you know, be free for an hour, you're going to want to go out and have a bit of a run and a stretch. And, um, and so, you know, this is, this is what they do. They say it's for the horse's own benefit to be, stalled, uh, to be in, a, in a box because it protects them from danger. But, um, you know, they don't tell you that them being in, a, in, in this box for 23 hours a day, 
causes them to have stomach ulcers because they're only fed uh, once or twice a day. Uh, and horses need to constantly be grazing. That's why you often see horses and cows grazing in the paddocks because they need it to neutralise their stomach acid. Mm. So as a result of the, this unnatural feeding regime, um, 90% of them suffer from stomach ulcers. Um, another serious condition that they suffer from is overexertion, that uh, 90% of racehorses also suffer from bleeding in the lungs. Now, this is a condition that is caused simply by the horse being pushed too far and, you know, you, were, you, you would, or I would also suffer from the same condition if we just kept running and running really hard, um, physically exhausted. We would also suffer from the same condition. So these horses are being whipped and are, are actually running through the pain barrier um, because they're frightened and they're forced to do so. And it's absolutely abhorrent that this you know, sport uh, is even allowed to use the whip at all. Um, and that's one of our campaigns, and, and we had to be doing some uh, serious um, uh, 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 work on that over the next 12 months. Uh, we think we've got a good case for this, uh, for the whip to be eventually banned, and hopefully it'll bear fruit over the next uh, couple of years or so. Yeah, I really like your points on the, the differences, as you say, between Dusty Martin or an AFL player and the uh, and the horses racing. And yeah, I think we've been talking a lot about uh, on the show about the idea of intersectionality in different movements and connections between different movements. And I think the the, the idea of consent, which particularly comes out of feminist movements, is quite important here in terms of the, the horses don't consent to it, whereas the, the, uh, the footballers obviously do and other athletes. But moving on to the recent actions against the um, ad- horse racing advertising on the Opera House. I really love the way uh, people in Sydney, those really creative actions, they got their phones and lights and shone and disrupted this advertising, a sort of really creative direct action. Uh, I wonder, yeah, if you want to say anything more about that action, I thought that was really inspiring and really creative and really great. Uh, anything about that, but also any, um, obviously the Melbourne Cup's been opposed by a lot of people for a long time. And yeah, well, what's, what kind of things have been done uh, to protest the Melbourne Cup over the years? Yeah. Well, first of all, the, the Sydney protest was absolutely fantastic. I Sorry, can I just break in and just say that um, for listeners who might not know mm. that the Sydney Opera House um, had a large advertisement for a horse racing race in New South Wales a few weeks ago, and it was opposed by the management of the Sydney Opera House, but um, the government stepped in and said that it was okay to publicise this gambling event, this event that um, abuses horses uh, on the side of the Sydney Opera House, and there was a lot of protest about that. Sorry to cut you off, Elio. I thought it was just important to say what we were talking about. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, yeah, look, it was absolutely inspiring to see so many people. Um, I was absolutely appalled by Alan Jones. I mean, in my opinion, he shouldn't even be on, on radio. He, the way he treated um, the poor CEO of the Opera House was absolutely appalling. Uh, but um, I guess the, the, the good side, the positive side to all of this was that thousands of people, I think there was um, the petition reached 300,000 people, um, signed a petition um, <clears throat> against this, um, against what was going on. And many thousands appeared at the Opera House and uh, it, it was great to see. And unfortunately, the focus wasn't so much on the horses themselves, but I think the message would have gotten across to, to many people. Um, and, and I think it's really important that people, you know, though they may not feel like they you know, protesting is not their thing. I certainly didn't think it was my thing when I first got involved in, in the animal rights movement. 
and uh, and now I'm out there with the megaphone every opportunity I get. And I don't do it because I like doing it. I do it because I know it makes a difference. And every single conversation you have with with somebody, whether it be about horse racing, whether it be about veganism or the environment, you know, we have the ability to to, commu- to communicate a message to somebody and influence um, their opinions. So um, I urge everyone to to you know speak out as much as they can about all the injustices um, that do occur. Um, just with regard to what we do through the Spring Carnival, we do, we do demonstrations. Uh, on and off throughout the year, but Spring Carnival is obviously our focus. Uh, we, when we first started about 10 years ago, uh, we were small in number and um, it was somewhat daunting uh, doing some of the protests because obviously, you know, the people going to the races, a lot of them were, were pretty hardcore punters and weren't happy with us being there. Mm. But now, for example, uh, one of our main demonstrations is the uh, the Melbourne Cup Parade, which is held on the, on the Monday before the Melbourne Cup. Um, now we get over 100 people. I think we had about 150 people there last year, all holding flags and placards, loud in voice. And um, instead of it being a happy day for for the racing industry celebrating the Melbourne Cup, um, we shame them and we've seen the numbers dwindle um, by many, many thousands. Um, we've seen the Melbourne Cup Carnival uh, 10 years ago. Um, from 10 years ago, it's dropped by 25%. So we're really, um, uh, I guess, positive that the message is getting through and that people are turning away from horse racing and um, and uh, becoming a more, more aware of all animal issues, not just the issues with horse racing. Yeah, absolutely. And on, on that note, we'll just go to a quick song, um, but we've got plenty more to chat about after that song, so um, we'll see you on the other side. Nick, what song are we listening to now? We're going to choose the track Animal Liberation, which is quite a good little segue because, yeah, um, Elio mentioned at the end about sort of horse racing within the broader context of Animal Liberation, which we'll discuss a bit after this track. So this is Animal Liberation by Los Fastidios. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR 855 AM. And today we're talking with Eliu from the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. And we've been talking about um, what happens in the racehorsing industry to, to horses and how we um, need to work to, to protect them from the ills of that industry. 
And Elihu, as you were wrapping, uh, as you were um, talking about just before that break, you mentioned um, the connections between working working for horses and um, working for animals in general, and and those wider connections. Do you want to uh, speak a little bit more about about that, um, like the ending of horse racing, or, or sorry, the the protection of horses within the context of animal rights? Well. I think that uh, what we all need to ask ourselves is do animals have the right to to freedom? Do they have the right to live their lives uh, free of pain and suffering? Do do we have the right to exploit them? And and I think if we honestly ask ourselves, I don't think there's a single person that could argue that they don't have that right. And yet our society tells us that it it is okay. We've consumed meat for a long, long time and it's been, um, I guess, culturally accepted and and uh, and now I guess it's it's you know people are questioning um, our, 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 uh, our the way we live and and do we have a right to do that and if, and if you can uh, if you can say that well my, my dog you know can, does feel pain and he has emotions and he can be he can be happy he can be sad then I think the same goes for every living animal on the planet and I think each and every one of us has a responsibility to, um, to not only inflict pain and suffering on those animals, but to defend those animals. Um, so, you know, people can start off by working towards a vegan diet and, and, and hopefully that will lead to, um, you know, perhaps being a voice for them. Um, I think that it's, it's extremely important that um, we, we are very responsible for, these, for those that um, don't have a voice. And, and whilst racehorses uh, is a cause that's very um, close to me, um, if you compare it in numbers to the to the billions of animals that um, that are killed every every day, in fact, I think I think there's more, many more times. I think it's like ten more times people are killed every week in the world than humans that have ever lived, and and so. We all owe a responsibility to be a voice for them, and and uh, I guess I'm just playing my role in this, and I, I think we all need to step up to the mark as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely some strong connections between veganism and opposing the Melbourne Cup. Like, I obviously don't bet on, don't support the Melbourne Cup because I'm vegan and concerned about animals. But similarly, there, yeah, there are a lot of parallels in that one of the reasons I oppose the Melbourne Cup, which you touched on, is the killing of animals, the killing of horses once they're no longer useful to the industry. And there's strong parallels there with the egg and dairy industries, the fact that these animals are killed once they're no longer profitable to these industries. So, yeah, I have seen in recent years, like, for example, in my Twitter feed, which is a lot of sort of lefty people who aren't necessarily vegan basically unanimously opposed to the melbourne cup which is great and it's a really positive thing but i think we can uh try and get these people who are opposed to melbourne cup but aren't vegan thinking more broadly about these issues as well i think that's yeah and we, we did have a discussion on this a while ago about single issue campaigns on the show a while back you can find that at freedomofspecies.org but yeah the idea of using these issues to not just promote our issue but also like link it to broad animal liberation it can be difficult in that the media might only get six seconds so it can be hard to bring and everything but i think yeah when we can it is great to broaden out the discussion as well and, and talk about animals more generally uh but on the yeah the opposition to the melbourne cup specifically uh how can people get involved this year in terms of opposing it and also if you'd like touch on some of the actions that have been done in previous years too yeah um look first of all if, if they're in the melbourne area and uh, you're free um either on derby day or which is the saturday before melbourne cup 
um, on Melbourne Cup Parade, which is uh, the, the day before Melbourne Cup or on Melbourne Cup Day itself. Come and join us. Um, for more information, just go to our website, horseracingkills.com, or go to our uh, Facebook page, uh, the College for the Protection of Racehorses. All the events are there. But even if you're, you're somewhat away from, from Melbourne, um, you know, get a few people together and um, have a great day and um, hold a little fundraiser, chip in, and uh, donate the money from that day to, to any worthwhile animal charity and make it a day that we celebrate animals instead of animal cruelty. Um, you can download posters from our website um, that uh, you, know, you want to put up in your workplace. Maybe you want to create some awareness um, instead of holding a sweep. You know, maybe uh, hold a raffle and, and donate that money to, to an animal charity. It's about awareness, and I think that once people realise the cruelty that's involved in horse racing, um, that they'll do away with it and, and um, celebrate the day um, supporting animals instead of the cruelty. So just to just to um, clarify for the listeners, um, there's events on the Saturday before the Cup, which is the 3rd of November, the day before the Cup, which is the 5th of November, and Cup Day itself, the 6th of November. And you can find all of those dates and information about those on the Horse Racing Kills website um, that Elio has mentioned. Um, and or search those things on uh, Facebook, I imagine. Is there a Facebook events on this stuff, Elio? Yeah, we have our uh, Facebook events, and that's just uh, uh, do a search for the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. You might have to go past a few of our hate pages uh, that we're very proud of, actually. Mm. We have three hate pages that might come up, um, and we're, we're very proud that we have those pages because it means we're, we're having an effect. Uh, so, but you should be able to find us quite easily. And I also wanted to jump in, just finish up as well. Like, hopefully people can get involved in some of those actions. That's great. But also for those, I know in Melbourne we've got a public holiday, but in the past I've lived in Perth. And so a lot of people who are opposed to the Melbourne Cup and they've got, um, yeah, they've got betting things going on in their work, which will obviously encourage people not to support, don't you know, make this Melbourne Cup more profitable. Um, but, yeah, I guess in terms of people dealing with that, like do you have any advice for people how to deal with this stuff when everyone's just celebrating the event, maybe how to raise it politely in your workplace, that kind of thing if you, if you are in other states who don't have a public holiday that day yeah look i'd suggest to them to go to our website and look up some of the issues that you know we've, we've touched on today but there's many more issues and uh you know perhaps download a couple of the posters i mean they're fairly self-explanatory um how these horses um are treated and mistreated and um and and if you are going to have a conversation about it, i think it's important um, to, to be kind to the people you're speaking to. They're the ones who you're trying to convert and it's not their fault that they're not, that they're not aware. Um, but inform yourself from the information that we've provided on the website. Uh, if you want to, we can send you some, some, uh, some of our leaflets that basically cover the main points. Uh, send us an email at um, inquiries at horseracingkills.com and we'll certainly be in touch. And also, if, if anyone wants to volunteer and be part of our organisation, send us a, a... There's actually an online form for volunteers or just drop us a line and we'll, we'll be in touch and we'll be happy to have, um, have you on board. Great. And so I just want to go back to um, something you mentioned uh, recently is some of the, the hate pages that you've got on, online. And I think one of the reasons that this, um, this topic brings up so much uh, anger from from people in the industry is there's a lot of identity around horses like people put their identity um, their their work with horses or their love of horses into their identity they are horse people 
and we sort of by saying that the industry needs to change or um, it, they almost feel like we're attacking them and their identity as people. Do you want to, is, is that a correct assumption or, or would you like to speak about that a little bit more? Particularly jumps racing I've heard is a quite a, um, can be quite a difficult space to work in. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I guess what we're basically doing is challenging their lifestyle and their livelihood. And so you can imagine if someone was doing that to you. And, and for many people that work in the racing industry, they've grown up in it and really don't have any alternatives. Often, um, you know, with all due respect, they haven't received the education that um, uh, a lot of others have because they're often dragged into it through through their through their uh, parents or relatives. Um, and, and so, look, I do understand that the anger that they have, and, and we're basically, I guess, putting it out there, the reality of what they're doing. Um, so, look, it's, it's, it's quite understandable, and um, many of the people in the industry are, are good people. Um, often the ones that are on our hate pages are, are, are the strappers, they're the, the stable hands, um, the, the track riders, um, and they're the ones that are actually exploited themselves. They're often on, on minimal wages, often having to work extra hours. I know a lot of them often work on Saturdays and aren't paid for it. It's almost treated like a privilege that they're, that they're allowed to be um, on the racetrack on race day. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's, um, uh, we, we feel for those people as well. So we don't take it personally. In fact, you know, like I said before, we, we're quite proud of the fact that um, they feel the need to, um, to speak up against us. Um, so, yeah. And in, in your um, your your explanation, then you pointed out some of the other issues that uh, surround the horse racing industry, including the exploitation of people within the industry, um, workers who are not paid um, a proper wage, and and those sorts of things. And we also need to remember that all of this is really to um, promote and build up the gambling industry, which has a horrendous impact on our our society and on people um, often who are from disadvantaged backgrounds and that the promotion of the Melbourne Cup in particular, but all of the um, spring carnival races is a promotion of gambling. Um, and and that is that is not a good thing. I, I personally, I think it's not a good thing for, for um, people with gambling being a very, um, a very, bad addiction that people can can suffer from yeah well you're 100% correct there um, I've had some friends who have been caught up in gambling addiction uh, it wasn't horse racing but it doesn't really matter what it is it's a real blight on our society and it's um, profiting from those that um, can can least afford it and it, it is sad to see and I guess the problem we have with the with horse racing is even though we're winning the battle in getting people to turn off horse racing, um, the, the, the betting turnover is still slightly increasing. Um, so people, it's so much easier now to bet, you know, whether you're betting on horse racing or the football or the tennis, you can bet on almost anything from your phone. And, uh, and, and so we're seeing um, betting increase. And um, I think that that's probably going to get worse before, it's, before it gets better. Um, and it's it's definitely not good for you know for those people and for the people around them. Mm. 
And I think your your message of protecting horses and and protecting other animals is a really a really strong strong message. And um, thank you, thank you for doing that for these past years. And just to change tracks a little bit, you're actually at the Animal Activist Forum at the moment. You're you've been kind enough to step out of the um, out of the presentations, which I'm sure are fantastic. And 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 thank you for um, doing that. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of the Animal Activist Forum um, in Brisbane, I think, this year? Is that correct? No, it's actually in Sydney this year. Oh, Sydney, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, it's a, it's a great event. It happens every year, and there's over 200 uh, people here uh, today and yesterday, and it's just an opportunity for people that, uh, you know, are in the movement or people that would like to, you know, be involved in the movement to to meet like-minded people, and, and uh, it's really... Uh, informative. We have all a different range of speakers having different skills, and it's just a, a great weekend where we we get together and um, meet a whole lot of new people, um, and uh, yeah, I guess invite new activists uh, to the cause. So if anyone's uh, interested, mark it down for next year the Animal Activist Forum. It's a it's a really great weekend, and next year it's actually in Melbourne, so it'll be close by. Fantastic. And have you have you sensed any themes from um, from the talks this year? Is there any undercurrents of what's going on in the animal space in Australia at the moment? Look, I guess what in the many years that I've been involved in animal rights, every year it seems to be that we're becoming a lot more professional in in every way. In fact, right now we've got uh, lawyers talking about the rights of activists. Um, doing undercover investigations and trespass laws and all that kind of thing. You know, we've got marketing people. Um, there's, a, there's a wide variety of professionals that um, are now joining the movement and, and um, making the whole movement a lot more professional, a lot more effective and a lot more mainstream. Um, it's, I think, the last frontier in terms of social justice movements. And uh, I think we're going to see dramatic change in the years to come. And you just have to look around to see the number of vegan restaurants that are popping up around the place. And even Hungry Jack's has got the, got the vegan burger. Um, it's a sure sign that, um, you know, it's, it's the way of the future. And uh, um, I'm sure it's going to continue. Absolutely. I think um, one of the one of the things that I I, th- I really value about Co- Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses is that you're taking on a very large um, industry, a very powerful um, industry and and rich industry, and that you're there every year, you're there every week, you're there fighting for the protection of of racehorses, um, and you're persistent. And we will have stops and starts in this. Um, in our fight for animals, I think there's strong parallels between uh, horse racing and greyhound racing in the use of animals in those industries for entertainment and and simply for gambling. Um, and we saw we saw some some ground being made uh, for greyhounds a couple of years ago, but there was a there was a backslide in that. But I think the persistence um, that you and other activists in that space are bringing to um, to the cause is really, really valuable and and uh, well worth it for the animals, I think. It definitely is. The, the people that I've met in the animal movement are the most determined, the most passionate, the most persistent people I've ever met in my whole life. And um, and, and together, there's, there's nothing that's going to stop um, these people from going on, no matter what's thrown at us, um, and, and because it's so important, and it's it's justice for these animals, 
um, you know, that absolutely deserve it. And was there anything else that you wanted to add um, before we wrap up today, Elio? Um, yeah, look, uh, just to, to wrap up, I guess I'd like to reiterate the, the importance of people um, to speak up, even if it's a conversation, you know, with, with, with your brother or sister or your next-door neighbour. Make every opportunity that you have to be a voice for, 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 horse, uh, for animals, um, you know, worthwhile. Um, because it may not be, um, you know, that conversation that you have with that person, but they might see a billboard the following week. They might see something on TV a couple of weeks later. They might be listening to Freedom of Species the week after that, or, you know, it just might all happen over a few years. Um, but just the other day, uh, I was having a conversation with a painter who was working on my building site, and and I think I was the, the la- I gave him the last little, little nudge to making him a vegan. He'd actually read the book The China Study, which is quite compelling if anyone wants to read it. Um, and uh, he had a friend who was vegetarian, and I think I was just that last person that needed to say something to him. And after a couple of days on site, he, he said to me, "Mom." Uh, one morning, he said, "My wife and I are now are now vegan." And uh, so, yeah, just make every post a winner. I, mean, I shouldn't be using racing terms, but um, <laughs> yeah, take every opportunity you can to get the message out there, and and um, you know, it, 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 we'll, we'll get there in the end. And that, those are the um, encouraging stories, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you very much for um, taking your time out from the Animal Actress Forum and joining us on the show and, and, and sharing your experience and your knowledge, Elio. Cheers. All the best. And just as, um, as we finish up today, we're going to uh, listen to a, one more song. This one is called Bloodsport um, by the Style Council. Takes the heart from a stag Who gets the heart on with blood on their hands Who strips the wonder of life When they don't have the right But they say it's fair game And they won't feel no pain Hi, I'm Rod Quantock and you're listening to Fill in the Dots, you know who you're listening to. Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to. You're listening to, yes, Fill in the 3CR Community Radio. You got it right, you've won a giraffe. Uh, we're at 8.55am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by... By Neil Mitchell. This year's Tilda, Melbourne Trans and Gender Diverse Film Festival, is packed with stories that represent the rich tapestry of trans and gender diverse people's lives. The program runs from Thursday the 8th 
to Sunday the 11th of November at Footscray Community Arts Centre and celebrates the best trans and gender diverse cinema on offer, along with Q&A sessions with festival guests and opening and closing night events. Program details and tickets are available at tildamelbourne.com. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species and you are listening on 855 AM at 3CR and you just listened to uh, Blood Sports by the Style Council. And just before we wrap up the show, um, we've got a couple of plugs. Uh, did you want to yeah, go sure. through the plugs, I'd, Nick? Yeah, I'll, I'll do the first one, at least. So the first one is AR Community Dinner and Discussion. So this is a dinner and group discussion about community in the vegan and animal rights scene. And just give a bit of a background on it. It is a topic that we've been covering a bit on the show lately. Uh, community, building community in the animal movement, um, trying to link with other social movements, all this kind of stuff. And so if you are interested in that, I guess the point of those episodes wasn't sort of for me or Adam or any of I guess to like solve those issues, more to create a discussion. So if you want to join in those discussions, it's sort of an informal thing where you have a dinner and you have a chat and you also have a bit more of a formal discussion about, uh, about some of these issues. This is Wednesday, October the 24th, 6.30 p.m at Melbourne Anarchist Club and to find all the details just search Dinner and Discussion October on Facebook and there's another um, event in a similar theme uh, which is Collectively Free Melbourne an organising event and there's a an organising an event to meet with other consistent anti-oppression, anti-capitalist animal liberation activists who are interested in starting a chapter of Collectively Free in Nam, Melbourne, um, or a new organisation or group with similar views. Uh, the people who are running this event want to create a space for sharing ideas and creating community that focuses on informed action and inclusiveness. Uh, this will be open an open discussion aimed at gauging interest in to anti-hierarchical organising, um, participating in broad social justice movements, um, including animals and other um, other issues. And that event's happening on Sunday, October the 28th at 1pm at Hawthorne Library. If you search Collectively Free Melbourne organising event on Facebook, you'll be able to find that event. And as um, Nick just mentioned, this is a, a bit of a theme I think that's it's great to see is this building of community within the um, within the animal rights community and recognising that we need to start getting together, touching base, um, bringing that humanity, that, that um, connectedness, that social aspect of, um, of connecting with people rather than maybe just sticking online and being on <laughs> Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, actually being in the same room, sharing ideas is really valuable, not only for the movement, but for, to us as, as people. And to and, find out more about that, search on Facebook. So. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's a good point because I, I don't do Facebook anymore, so oh. I, lo- I, I actually miss a lot of these events. Um, something else to... Uh, to fix maybe in the future Mm. and just one minute before we head off i wanted to um mention that i was actually at a at a community meeting um this week on the climate emergency discussing the climate emergency down in geelong and working with some people from the uh organization case uh c-a-c 
E. They're a community-run volunteer organisation who are trying to get local local communities to um, to speak with their local council members about declaring and recognising sorry recognising and then declaring that we are currently in a climate emergency. And this climate emergency that we're experiencing right now is only going to get worse. Um, we've seen the reports from the IPCC um, and we we know it's it's not going to be good for people or for animals um some pretty dire very very dire and scary predictions for um this century that the large number of people listening will actually live through and see happen so if you're interested in organizing around climate emergency and um doing some things around that then check out the case website that's c a c e dot uh, org i think if you search if you search that or you search case climate emergency you will certainly find lots of great tools um, toolkits for how you might approach uh, your local council and the people who are organizing that um, that group case are fantastic and and will if you 're close by or they 've come from Melbourne down to Geelong we'll come and chat to you um, in person about how to do this and there 's been some great successes that you can find out more about on the case website. And I think that's it from us. Thank you very much for listening to Freedom of Species this week. Um, make sure you get along to those um, Nup to the Cup and all of those events that Elio uh, mentioned in, so you can, you can work to protect horses. And stay tuned and listen in to Encyclopedia. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.